over some of the laws of Hanukkah and let's start off with the prayer of the Al-Hanisim. During Hanukkah we add a special prayer and we do the prayer of the Al-Hanisim. Now the Al-Hanisim, if you look in the morning service for example, we'll do it in the morning, afternoon and evening services we do the Al-Hanisim. If you look in the morning service in our sitter that we use here on the page 51, you will see on the bottom of the page is the Vial Hanisim. Now, Vial Hanisim is said during all the eight days of Hanukkah, as well during Purim. We say Al Hanisim as well. But then it splits between Hanukkah, we have on the right the story of Hanukkah, and the left column tells you the story of Purim. So on Hanukkah, we do the section to the right, the Meimatis Yahu, and continues on page 52. The same thing is true for Mencha Marv. It's exactly the same version of the Baal Hanisim that's added to the prayer during the festival of Hanukkah. It is also added in the Grace After Meal, in Birchat Hamazon, in the benching. And if you turn to your sitter on page 90, so you'll see uh, after, towards the bottom of the page, is also the Baal Hanisim over there in that... Um, it's exactly the same language. Um, we said last time um, that the uh, miracle of Hanukkah was basically uh, two parts, but mainly it started off because the uh, Matishyohu, the Kohen and his sons, they would not go along with the uh, sort of the new uh, culture prevalent at the time from the Greeks who wanted to have the Jews, you know, assimilate and become part of them. And uh, it was mainly because of that, but then it had turned into actually a battle and it was like a great miracle uh, in which the uh, few, uh, the few uh, fought against the many. And that's basically that the prayer, in this prayer, uh, we talk about the uh, great miracles how Hashem has given over the large, great armies in the hands of the few, the evil in the hands of the righteous, etc. And describing the greatness of the miracle. This prayer is basically a thank you and a description of the physical war that took place. Whereas there's another celebration, and that is of course that we light every night of Hanukkah, we light the uh, Hanukkah uh, lights and the way we do it of course which has become the custom from everyone is to light one light the first night and then a second light originally it was actually one light per night instead of increasing it that was the original way it was instituted and later on it progressed to the level in which we constantly do a little bit more which is basically the lesson of life that one should always do a little more. So you start off with one light and then you increase the second light. There is actually a view in the Talmud which says that you go the other way around. You start with eight, then you go down with seven, you go lower. And Mashama, that's correct. That is the, absolutely. So we we do it, we increase. We go from we go up on a higher level and we don't go down. Left to right or right? Yeah. Well, sorry about that. Uh, in a minute. A no, yeah. No, you start, you do the right, but you start with the new one every, every, every day and you go to the, towards the right. We'll see. We'll, we'll study that in a minute. But let's first we'll do the Alanism and then we'll get to the, uh, to the lighting of the menorah. So, um, the, um, so, but, but the, the, the 
the uh, celebration of lighting the menorah, of lighting the light, that's mostly a spiritual kind. That's that's remembering the light of the menorah that they extinguished, that they tried to put out. They didn't allow them to observe the Torah and do the mitzvot, or as we mentioned, they specifically were had objection to the uh, blind sort of faith that you uh, display and doing things on a supernatural way or believing in, 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 in things that are beyond the uh, ordinary, beyond nature, beyond what, what, what we see. Uh, they didn't object so much to a study of Torah as an intellectual exercise, but not, uh, not clean oil. They defiled the oil. So the main uh, idea of the lighting of the menorah is spiritual. That that reflects mainly the miracle of the temple that they had. They were able to do the mitzvah and do the lights. Whereas the Al Hanisim mainly describes the victory of the war, as they they were able to win the war. Now, okay, so we mentioned last time uh, before you start davening when you're in shul for the first night, uh, you want to remind the people that they should say Al-Hanisim, and the way to do it is by being given a bang on the table so the people before the Amida will remember. And even if the, uh, say that the rabbi says before Marv, say Al-Hanisim, sometimes people forget. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of times different things creep in our head. We're trying to daven and then we're, our mind floats otherwheres and we and in the middle of the davening we do you know we're so used to saying the words but we don't always pay attention and we might forget so it's a good thing to be, give a bang on the table beforehand just to remind the people unfortunately even with the reminder <laughs> sometimes by the time it comes to the Al-Anisim you forget anyways but but here it's important to know that Al-Anisim unlike other additions, and we spoke about it last time quickly, we don't repeat the, uh, whether it's the grace after meal or if it's the uh, davening. If you forgot it, it's, it's, it's too bad. It's it. It's it. You forgot it. So if you didn't say it, you're not going to have to do it again. It's not like Yalavi during the daytime or, or Yalavi for a Yom Tev or, or say for Shabbos on uh, the benching where you would have to redo the benching because you missed out an important part. This is not, does not carry that strength in it. And therefore, you have to say it. But if you didn't say it, it's okay. No, you don't have to do it again. However, you always have a chance to see if you forgot it, as long as you did not say God's name of that blessing. And we had this concept already before. If you did not say Baruch Atoh Hashem, before you say God's name of that blessing, you can uh, say it uh, over there. So you would say, so if you said, let's say you're benching, you're doing the grace after meal, and you came to say Baruch Atoh, you didn't say, so then you can go and do Al Hanisim. You can do it over there. Uh, now, I guess that um, once you did say it, you would probably start say the words Baruch Ato Hashem. Uh, I'm not sure that you would not say Val Hakol. You wouldn't go back in this case. So you would you basically just say Baruch Ato. You said Baruch Ato, and then you would say Val Hanisim, and you would finish Al Hanisim, and then you'd say Baruch Ato Hashem because it doesn't make sense just to continue the word Hashem. 
over there because it, it just uh, blessed are you. You have to you say Baruch Ata. So you mention Al Hanisim. I mean, it doesn't say it clearly, but I don't think that the person would go and say, oh, again, if he, or by the Amida. The same thing is, basically, if you did not say God's name yet, Hashem, would Hashem pronounce Hashem's name, then you can go back and say it. Now, uh, once you've said Hashem, that's it. We said we don't return, we don't go back, and that's it. So forget it. But in the benching, uh, we have another opportunity to say it. And remember that Al-Hanisim is not really a, a, a blessing over there. It's not really, it's really a thanksgiving. So um, we could technically say Al-Hanisim anywhere. Al-Hanisim doesn't have anything that would be a problem saying. You can say Al-Hanisim today. It doesn't have God's name in it. It doesn't have any bracha in it. It's just a thank to Hashem. So technically, if you didn't say it in the right place, you could say it wherever. Now, we want to say it while we're thanking Hashem, we're doing the grace after meal, the institute, now you missed it out. So if you notice at the end, I just want to show you, point out some of you, in the end of the blessings of the grace after meals, we have various different harachamons. Like we say, harachamon, the merciful one. If you look on page 95, so during Shabbos, uh, we say a special harachamon for Shabbos. During Rosh Chodesh, we say a special for Rosh Chodesh. During Yantav, we say a special one for Yantav. Rosh Hashanah, we do something for Rosh Hashanah. And on Sukkot, we do something for Sukkot in addition to Yantav, but we do also something for Sukkot. Now, uh, one can add, one should add over there, well, of course, it's not Shabbos or Rosh Chodesh or anything else, but he could add and say, Harachamon, the one merciful, and he adds another Rachamon, and he, then he says, Huyase lonu nisim, which would pick up, and then you pick up the Lashen, Kimoisha also laveisenu. So that would be, that would just change around a little the wording to fit the gra- grammar. So then you would say Harachamon, and then you'd pick up, then you do the Matisyahu. So you're really going to say, you're going to sort of put it in under the Words Is that in there, or you just put that? I just it's not in there because it's not it's not in there because you don't you always say it you will only say it if you forgot you don't have to say it but if you forgot to say it in the right place then you will go ahead and say it at the end. By the end of Birkat Amazon. Now I want to show you. So over there, instead of there, you would add, you would say, Harachamon, uh, the one who has mercy, who Yaselon Unisim, let him perform, may he perform for us miracles, as he did for our father, and then you pick up, and then you tell the story, that, if you forgot to say, that, right, that, yeah. then you just add a Harachamon for it. That's exactly right. Not in there. Okay. That's exactly right. Now, I want to show you, while we're doing this already, just to show you a little bit, about the structure of the grace after meals. So, now you notice there's actually four blessings in the grace after meals. Three of them are learned from the verse, and they were the original blessings. The grace after meal originally ended with Bonei Amen. 
Now you see you have the word Amen over there? The reason it has Amen on page 92. In the Birkat Amazon, so over there we have the blessing of Bonei Berachamav Yerushalayim, Amen. Amen essentially ends the grace after meals. Later on, the rabbis instituted further uh, when there was a great miracle that the, the people of Betar, there was a war, and they allowed them to come to burial. They didn't even let them bury them. So there was like a, a, a double kindness of Hashem. A, they allowed them to bury them, and B, they did not become totally decomposed in a way that they would be, you know, they, they didn't smell so that they could bury them. So they made the bracha of Hatov v'hametiv. Now, originally, that tova metiv, that's an additional blessing. So that's called the fourth blessings. If you look, first you have on page 90 the first blessing, which starts with, okay, Hazan et olam kulo bituvo, till you say Baruch Atah Hashem, Hazan et hakol. That's one blessing. Then the next one ends with Baruch Atah Hashem, al horez v'al hamazon. That's blessing number two. Okay? That's on page 91. That's on page 91. And then on page 92 on the bottom, you say, So now you have a So now that's a main that finished but usually we know when you have a blessing which is more than just a few words, when there's like a lengthy the blessing, the blessing also ends with a blessing. You don't just stop without saying. You would say Baruch HaTah Hashem. This blessing over here sort of doesn't have an ending. There's no Baruch HaTah. It starts off Baruch HaTah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. Yeah. And then it doesn't end anywhere. So the question is, a, where does it end? And, and B, just so you know something, another thing, if you notice, just so that while you're looking at the sitter, I'll give you another piece of information over here on benching. Notice that the first blessing on page 90 begins with Baruch Hashem and ends with Baruch Hashem. But the second blessing only ends, but it doesn't begin with a Baruch Hashem. It ends, but it begins with no Delacha. There's no opening blessing. Same thing is Rachem, uh, which is the blessing of 91. It ends with Bonei Barachem Shalayim Amen, but it starts with Rachem. There is no opening blessing. So whenever a blessing follows another blessing, the blessing that follows does not require to start with a blessing because the previous blessing is sort of goes both ways. It goes for the previous and for it. So if it follows, so the first blessing of the grace of Tamil doesn't follow anything. So we start with Baruch Hashem. But the second blessing of No Delcha, that follows the first one, doesn't have to start with a Baruch Hashem. Rachem follows the previous blessing, so it doesn't start with the blessing. However, uh, the end and the Omein, the fourth one does start with a blessing, even though it follows the third, because that was added later on. There's a special reason. In this case, it didn't really follow. It's not called considered a blessing that follows. That's why it starts. But for our discussion, the question is, where does this bracha end? There's no, doesn't seem, doesn't seem to have an ending over here. And it's at um, Yeru, Yeru, 
Baruch Giver, no? Okay, so let me let me let me point out something to you. In the middle of page ninety-four, we start with the Harachamon. Okay, we end. It says Mukoltuv Laolam Ali Chasreino. So, so let me just tell you. So first of all, this is what it says in the Shulchan Aruch that originally this used to be a very short blessing. That's why it doesn't have an ending. It just said Habtov Ametiv. That was just it was very short, so it didn't require end the blessing. They went and added on as. They went along, they added on. Now the question is, where did it where did it add on? Now we're looking at the print over here. Sometimes the print is misleading or sometimes it's telling. Sometimes it's telling you somehow certain things follow. According to some opinions, the blessing ends with La Olomalyhasrainu. That that'll be like the ninth line from the top. Two, four, six, eight. The eighth line from the top. And then you start the harachamons. You see. You make special blessings. You say Harachamon. You 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 say the merciful one. Harachamon, the merciful one. Harachamon, the merciful. We're we're asking Hashem, uh, may you king over us forever. May you be blessed in the heavens and the earth. May you be praised. May you uh, may you uh, give us our sustenance honorably. May you. Uh, the merciful one, we're asking Hashem to remove the yoke of exile from our necks. May you send us much blessing on this table. And then it says, may you send us Elijah the prophet to let us know the good and salvations and the comforting. And then finally, in this, we say, the merciful one, uh, bless my parents, my father, mother, the owners of this house, as you blessed Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is a blessing that we make for the balabais, for the owner. doesn't matter if it's your parents or not parents, but it doesn't, this has already been instituted like that. But notice, when you finish this blessing, you say, V'nomar Amen. Right? So here you say, V'nomar Amen. So, other people say that these harachamons became part of the blessing, and that's why you come up with a V'nomar Amen. So, V'nomar Amen is just like we say, Bonei B'rachamam Shlamin. Oh, here we say, V'nomar Amen. That's in the... Uh, it's not clear. There's various opinions where exactly it ends. Whether this is the ending, but the fact some people say uh, we don't we don't say that way that the harachamon should be stuck in as soon as you answer the bre- the blessing after the olmei chasreinu. But we see all of our harachamons are not put over here. Now, what is this next piece, mimarom or the Ashkenaz say bamarom? Because this this is actually everybody accepting the blessing. In the olden days, somebody would get up and bless the owner and say like that, and everybody would say, uh, that has the words, the main, the key words in the next verse is that's sort of everybody uh, agreeing to the blessing we just heard. The owner of the home was just blessed, by the grace of the owner was just blessed, and we all are saying, may they uh, look it up from him that it should be for peace and let us carry a blessing, so this is the follow-up to what we just blessed, so we're sort of all agreeing with that blessing, and asking uh, Hashem that we find favor in the eyes of in, in, in the eyes of Kim Rodov. Now, then we come to several Molharachamans we see, so this seems to be already a further addition, so this is where we would stick in, we just talked about this extra Harachamon, and um, and, and, and then we do the rest of the, the rest of the benching. But I just want to show you something very interesting. Everything is precise. 
And I mean, uh, if you just pay attention, you know, when you just bench all the time, you don't pay attention. But take a look. In the ending over here, Yanz Brachat says, Vinomar, Amen. Okay? What do we do when we say, Osir Shalom Mimramav? Osir Shalom Mimramav, I call Yisrael. How do we say? Why does it say here? What's the difference between Vinomar, Amen, or Vimru, Amen? What is the difference between Vinomar Amen and Vimru Amen. Vinomar Amen it means, and let us say Amen. And Vimru Amen is say, say Amen. Now, the second one, Imru Amen is like a command. I'm telling you, Vimru Amen, say Amen. Over here, Vinomar Amen is let us say Amen. Now, if you notice in the Kaddish, you also say Vimru Amen. Okay? Imru Amen. Here it says, let us say Amen. Because when we talk about praising God, which is the verse of Oseh Shalom, Bim Ramav talks about God. Over there we can tell the people, Imru Amen, say Amen, because everybody is obligated to praise God. So we can say it in a way of destructions. The Imru Amen, say Amen. But when we do it in blessing the owner of the house, that's a very nice thing to do. But I cannot tell you, go say amen. I don't want to say amen. So I didn't like the food this time. <laughs> I want a refund, you know. So that's why all what you can say is, Venomar, let us say amen. You know, it's not like a command, but it's not. It's a, yeah, and it's together, options. Venomar, amen, let us say amen. Okay. What? Politically correct. Politically correct. <laughs> okay. So, um, so these are all the different. Um, 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 ways to uh, just explain a little bit about the benching and how we would fit it in. Now, you know, it's also a tradition. One of the special things about Hanukkah is that, first of all, we put up the lights, and lights illuminates the darkness, and uh, in the olden days, it was actually done outside, on the street, by your home, but it lighted up. It's supposed to be done when it's dark outside, when it starts to get dark, so that you can illuminate, and you can make light, you can bring the light of the mitzvah, the light of Torah to the, to the street. But one of the special things about Hanukkah is that we publicize the miracle. So we don't just celebrate the miracle in our homes, but we bring it out to the outside. That's one of the reasons that the Rebbe made such an emphasis with these public menorah lightings is because we want to involve and we want to publicize, we want to get as many people as possible involved in thanking Hashem and recognizing Hashem and uh, giving Hashem thanks. So that's why we do this, what's called the Pirsum and Nisa. So because of the publicizing of the miracle in every public event or in every uh, time you get together and there is a crowd, we want to publicize the menorah, the level. Now in the shul, which is of course a place that people get together, therefore we have the tradition, so the Shulchan Aruch doesn't talk so much about putting up menorah in public places, in the plaza, things like that, but they talk about talk, putting up a menorah in the shul. And matter of fact, when you put up every time when you come to the night prayer, you actually light the menorah after mincha, actually in preparation for the nighttime, you light the menorah, and once it's the afternoon, 
the shul will light the amount of lights that you're going to do at night time. So even though it's not night time yet, even though it's not yet getting dark, you already start to light that number of light. So like on the first day of Hanukkah, before it's actually Hanukkah, because Hanukkah does not take place till when it gets later on, uh, it gets dark, or when we start lighting the menorah. But in this case, the Hanukkah, but over here, in the shul, we do it after Mincha. Now, after Mincha, so you do it between Mincha and Marev. If you do it between Mincha and Marev, so you finish the entire Mincha, and then you would light it, and then you do it in Marev. Now, in our shul over here, and in many shuls, they dab a Mincha and Marev together, which means one after the other. It's just very difficult to get the people together two times Twice. at different times. And I'm not sure that people want to sit through a shear every day between uh, Mincha and Marev because it takes maybe a half an hour or 40 minutes from the time you have Mincha to Marev. So we do the, linea, the more lenient opinion. We'll dab a Mincha before the Shkia and we'll dab a Marev after the Shkia. So that's, so that's the lenient, more lenient opinion. Uh, so we dab a Mincha Marev together. So in our case, uh, we'll light the menorah between Mincha and Marev. We'll finish Mincha, and before Marev, we'll light the menorah. But in a lot of places, they dab a Mincha, and then they take a break, and then they come back from Marev. Separate, the two separate prayers. Just like you come to Shul for Shachris, they go three times a day to Shul. You know, it's better than going five times. Now, what is it? You go three once, and then you go Mincha, and then you go, and then you go Marev. And uh, sometimes people daven mincha earlier. It's called the mincha gedola. They daven it right afternoon, like we do here on Shabbos. That we daven mincha very early, as uh, soon as it's a half an hour after midday, we already daven mincha. So we're going to daven mincha at that time. So uh, they would light the menorah once they finish mincha. They would light the menorah, even though it's still uh, some time before uh, before Marv, They will still do the the. The, the, the lighting of the menorah. And the reason for that is, is because we are publicizing the miracle, so in the shul where there's a lot of people. But not only do we light the menorah, but we actually make the bracha. And by the way, in all these public menorah lightings, if they do have a big crowd, the ruling has been that you do make a blessing. You make a blessing for the menorah lighting over there. This has been some of the uh, controversy about uh, claiming that the menorah is a symbol of freedom, it's not a religious, um, it's not a religious uh, object because it represents general freedom, and it's not a religious ceremony, and that's why you should be allowed to on public uh, property. It's not going to uh, contradict uh, separation of uh, religion, but. The argument is, well, you're going to make a bracha over there, so now you're making a blessing, so now, whoa, 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 wait a minute. So this is something to, uh, to reconcile. But in any event, uh, we do make a bracha that. But of course, in the shul, it's been always like that. When you come to the minion, you make a bracha, and, um, and you light the menorah. So each day you will light for what that night? One, two, three, four, whatever the day is. Um, now, where do you place the menorah in the shul? It's placed on the southern wall, and the actual menorah goes from east to west. So it's placed. So by us over here, so it would be placed. The menorah would be placed like that. It would be on that side of the shul. 
on the southern wall by us, the woman's section of the southern wall. So we put it on the on that side, and you have them from placed from east to west, and um, it, even though the bracha we only make once when we do it at night, uh, in the afternoon, after Mincha, but it is also the tradition to light, just have it lit uh, when you come to Davin. So when you come for Shacharit, we will light it. We're not going to make a bracha, but we will light the amount of candles just to keep on part of publicizing the, the miracle, even during the morning. And, um, and you place it uh, beyond ten tefachim, that means it should be a little bit up there, ten tefachim high, and that it should be that it should be visible, so that you can actually you know see the people can see the actual uh, Hanukkiah. Uh, further uh, later on, um, the Rebbe pointed out also that um, if it's a situation where it's not dangerous. You know, if we can ha- make it such that you can have it burn like 24 hours, like they have like a big yard site lights or something, if you can have it in the shul, of course, not where there's going to be children getting to it or something like that. But if it's not dangerous at all, the Rebbe suggested that it would be pre- preferable, it would be nice to have during the entire time of the holiday of Hanukkah to have the lights burning each day according to the number of that day so whenever you walk into the shul whoever is there you always have a in a public place you have always the lights of the menorah for that day now the person who does the lighting of the menorah the shliach tzibur right so he will make the blessing as we said it's important to remember that Every day when we light the menorah, we do two blessings. But the first time we do it, we make an additional blessing. We also make the brach of Shechiyano. But that you do only the first time. So the menorah that is lit in shul cannot in any way substitute for the menorah you do at home. The same thing is a public menorah lighting, which you do to publicize the miracle, is different. And it's not doesn't fulfill your obligation of also you and your family doing it at home in your own, putting it up. That's the way it was instituted originally. And this is only an addition to that thing. So therefore, uh, even the shliach tzibur, the one who is actually doing the lighting, so he makes the blessings. So he still, even he, when he goes back home and he lights his own menorah, he would still make the blessings, even though he's already lit the menorah in that day. The difference would be with the blessing of Sheikh Yano. Shechiyonu, you do it for the first time you're lighting the menorah, but since he's already lit the menorah, he cannot say the bracha Shechiyonu again. But all the other people in the shul, of course, the first time that they do it, and if, for instance, God forbid, they didn't light for whatever reason the first night, so whenever they light the menorah, the first time they'll do the Shechiyonu. The Shechiyonu is something which isn't connected to what day, it's connected with the first time you do it. So the chazan who lit the menorah in the shul would still make all the other brachas, but not the bracha of Shechiyonu. Um, the um, Rebbe came up with a um, very uh, interesting uh, concept, and that is the shape of the menorah. What was the real uh, 
um, way of the menorah. How was the menorah built in the temple, in the Mishkan? How did they build it? So most of the time when you look at the pictures, they have them like on a half a circle going up. And that, that comes basically because of, I think the wall, what are they, the wall, the way they have the picture in Rome over there, the wall of Titus, what is it called there? The uh, Arch of Titus. Arch of Titus. Uh, shows are carrying on the shoulder. Yeah, so over there they have, and the Rebbe promoted very strongly the view of the Rambam, of Maimonides. Maimonides had drawn, actually, the drawing, it was his own handwriting, that the drawing makes the handles come in an angle. Right. That they, they, they're not curved, you know, they just go out straight, and they come out, each one of them comes out straight. And there was actually two things that the Rebbe promoted very strongly, which the world hasn't noticed and, and hasn't done anything about it. And also has to do with the luchot, with the tablets, the picture of the tablets, which on most uh, shuls, they'd have them circle on the top. They have the tablets circle on the top, rounded up on yeah. the top. If you notice, we have it on our parochas, we have it square. Uh, based on the Talmud, it's quite clear, and the way they fit into the ark, and we actually just studied it in the Talmud in Yomo and in other places, the luchot were square. They were not rounded on the top. Not in the movie. <laughs> that's right. You know what? That's why I, I argue. No, but in the movie, the Ten That's why I hope. I'm hoping that somebody will go ahead and make a kosher movie, so that everybody who has misinformation, because what you see in a movie is what sticks in your head. Tablets. Yeah. Everybody knows, but if they gave you the right information, if children learned and they had the right visuals. Then they would come up with the right information instead of looking oh, yeah, from Goyish's sources. Yeah, he wasn't here yesterday. We were talking oh, yeah. about that. Yeah. Right, but we talked That's about right. You hear the other day we were talking about the movie with Ten Commandments? Yeah. You know, how different ways that they had the water park. Oh, no, you mentioned it. Okay, you were here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so you were here. Okay. okay, that was the day before. All right. Okay, no, I'm saying so. That would be that. But the Rebbe very strongly told people to do it the right way. You shouldn't have the wrong image on the, of the tablets. Now, what made the Rebbe yeah, sure. think they were this way, not that's based on oh, good. That's based on the Rambam, on an image of the Rambam. Okay. The Rambam. When you go to a Jewish um, gift shop or whatever and buy a Hanukkah menorah, many times it's like a Shabbat menorah. You know? That's right. But, they they vary now. The but that's precisely the, that what it was very difficult to to fight against. It's very difficult. Is yours to, at home? To go fight, I'll tell you in a second about the home. We'll talk one second. We are um, we are talking about um, we're talking about the when you're trying to draw an image of the menorah that was in the temple, so you should draw it the right way. According to the Rambam, the right way if you're trying to portray uh, a menorah of the Mishkan, you can have a menorah make it any way you want. There's no objection to making a menorah any way you want. But if you're teaching people, if you're trying to represent the menorah and the Mishkan, you should do it the right way. So the Rebbe wasn't saying that you can't have menorahs, you can make a menorah anything you want. Right. But if you are going to make a picture 
of, or you're going to draw something, we want to give people an idea what the menorah in the Mishkan look in the Mishkan looked like in the base Hamikdash. You should do it the right way, and that wasn't an angle according to the Rambam. But here it's interesting. The Rebbe makes a, 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 a difference. He says in cases, you know, sometimes they have a problem, like on coins, round coins, and they wanted to make a picture of the menorah. You can't actually make it an angle. It takes up too much place over there. Mm-hmm. Or else the dimensions are not going to fit. If you round it out, it'll fit on a round thing better. The Rebbe says that in situations where it's very difficult, you could, the Rebbe gives an allowance, to make it the other way. Since, he says, there were those that argued on the Rambam. That was the Rambam's view. Other argued on the Rambam. And if you want to choose in a case where it's difficult to represent another view, that's okay. But the luchas, under no circumstances can you make difference, because that's in the Talmud. That's not something that you can change. It has to be done in the right way. The Talmud says in the Talmud, the Talmud doesn't say rectangle, but the Talmud does say the way the measurements, the way it fit into the iron, and it's quite clear over there that it was uh, made, like not rounded out. Now, the, uh, the Chabad the, follows uh, the Rambam because all your the Chabad menorahs outside that you see are, are the angles. Are angles. Okay. Angles. Well, actually, no. That's what I was going to tell you right now. The one you have out front. Yeah, the one an angle. But let me tell you right. So and they Bogard. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely. Angles, right? Yeah. 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 But let me just tell you, the Rebbe did not say. And again, I want to know. You asked before what my menorah is like now. Actually, there's a Hasidic tradition. Some people don't even have sticks going on. They have like a flat. You know, you have the most menorahs were done like on a flat, not right. not on branches. You don't even oh, need okay. branches. We are not talking about here. I got to say this again, not to confuse the issues. We are not talking about what kind of a Hanukkah, Hanukkiah, what kind of menorah you can use. You can use whatever you want. There's no problem. The Rebbe is not talking about that. The Rebbe is only talking about if you're trying to draw the menorah that was in the Mishkan, draw it the right way. The Mishkan menorah. He's not telling you what menorah you should use. You can use whatever you want. A lot of them are flat. A lot of them are flat. We don't have all that. That's actually the tradition. That's not what we're talking about. But if you're going to show an image of the menorah, then show it the right way. Don't show it on a half a circle. Now, the menorahs that we do, the public menorah lighting, you can make it also in any shape you want. Because that's not a menorah in the Mishkan. That's just this, a place to hold your uh, lights that you're putting in there. That is not a problem. You can do it any... Okay, people want to make it in the same shape, so fine, they do it in the same shape. There's no objection to that. The only thing that the Rebbe taught us was to do it when we're doing a menorah of the Beis Hamikdash. That should be done in the right place. Uh, Rabbi, yes. you're going to talk about regardless of the shape. This is what my son talked about. I just want to correct myself. If you're going to light the menorah early, like by Plaga Mincha, then you're not going to make a bracha before Plaga Mincha. Plaga Mincha is one hour and a quarter before nightfall. There's a, this is Plaga Mincha. Only from that point on will you make a bracha on your menorah. If you would light your menorah beforehand, then you do not make a bracha, okay? That should be clear. So that's why on Shabbos, before you have to light the Chanukah menorah first, even though it's still 
it's not before you light the Shabbos candles. Yeah, but that okay, but that's that's, not, that's, that's not why. That's another. That's, that's correct. But you can't. Light that is absolutely correct. Right, but, but because once you light the candles, you're sort of accepting yeah, Shabbat. Shabbat you can't they light can light the candles. That's yeah. right. Okay, so that that's the reason there. But plaga mincha is the time that you need to make the bracha. You cannot make a bracha before. You cannot make a bracha before plaga mincha if you should light in this. So, if you do happen to daven, uh, if you do happen to daven before, uh, like mincha gedola before plaga mincha, then you cannot. It says here that the rebbe therefore encouraged them to uh, to to daven that the services should be a little bit later at some point so that it should be after Plaga Mincha so that they can make the bracha for the, uh, for the lighting of the menorah. That is specifically connected to the um, that's specifically connected to the uh, lighting of the menorah. That's what it is connected to.